Father, how we praise You today because You're right here with us. Lord, what is man that Thou art mindful of him? And the Son of, God, uh, the Son of Man that You have visited him. For You have made man a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and with honor. And Lord, our honor today is only in knowing and worshiping You. And I pray today that You have been pleased, honored with our offerings of praise. Lord, I, I feel so unworthy to stand in Your presence and yet You give us that right as Your children and as Your friends. And I pray now that as we hear Your man, as we hear Your Word, that we will continue to understand that You are here in our presence. We love You so much. We thank You for loving us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen and Amen. Thank you so much, Scott, for leading us so well, friend, faithfully every single week. Now, we, uh, we may have to have a lesson on how to clap, though. <laughs> so uh, when we pull that, that first song back out, we're going to teach them how to clap. Do you know it's okay to clap in church? All right, just making sure you know that it's okay. I mean, it, the, the roof's not going to fall in if we praise the Lord with our hands. Say, Ken, I just don't like all that emotional stuff. I bet you get emotional at a baseball game. I bet you get emotional at a football game, right? When you get the Tigers or the Gamecocks out there, I bet you get emotional. Matter of fact, the psalmist said, clap your hands, amen? So it's okay to clap. It's okay to shout. If anybody wants to shout today, you just help yourself. That'd be fine with me. Just get totally undignified in the presence of the Lord, all right? And uh, we'll just have a spell. Just have a time together. So good to see you. Glad that you are here. And this is a, a wonderful time of the year. My wife loves to decorate. And I'm glad that she does. Uh, it hasn't always been that way. I, I don't know what happened. When we moved to Travel's Rest, and she kind of what she's always said was kind of like her dream house. We took a 1940 farmhouse and we flipped it. Okay? Uh, Pat watches a lot of Chip and Joanna Gaines, HGTV, and she goes on Pinterest. You add all those three things together, that is why I am broke. All right? And so, so we had that farmhouse, and she loved it, and she just began to decorate. Every single season, she would decorate. And, and she's just kind of, now that we've moved to Columbia, she's continued to do that, and it's wonderful. And this really is my favorite time of the year. And I really wanted to decorate. I mean, I like Christmas. I love Christmas, but, but Easter is my favorite. It's just my absolute favorite. But I haven't convinced her to decorate the way I would like to decorate. I mean, I want to blow it out. I want, a, I want a great big old empty tomb out in the front yard. I want to take lights across the, the top of the house and, and then spell out, He lives. So when the airplanes fly over, they can see that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I want to blow it out. So this is a special week. This is, this is my favorite time of the year. And so this is Palm Sunday. And you will remember that Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And they're waving the palm branches and they are, they're laying their, their garments at his feet. It was a custom of that day of royalty or dignity as they visited. They would give them the royal treatment. We call it, they just rolled out the what? The red carpet. And that's what they were doing. And they were crying, Hosanna, which literally means save us. Save us. Now, they wanted a king to straighten the Roman government out. And they saw Jesus as that king. And here's the danger of that. Sometimes we see Jesus, the problem is we don't always recognize him for who he is. And they didn't. At that moment, they didn't. And you know that week, Jesus is going through all kinds of things. And he spends some time with his disciples. And he begins to watch their feet in that upper room. It's Passover. And they're remembering this incredible feast of their deliverance. And here's the deliverer right there. Washing their feet. Showing them what a true servant really is. 
Well, I want to I want to capture part of what he said in that upper room during Passion Week, and he talked about love. And it fits beautifully with where we are in our study of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So I'm going to invite you to take your Bible, your device, whatever you use uh, to read the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to grab it. I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible device up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving life changing word look at verse 9 now concerning brotherly love you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another for that it indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to to gather together in this building to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing today. Thank you for those who, God, invest so much time and energy. Thank you for Scott. Thank you for our musicians. Lord, thank you for this choir, the praise team. God, thank you for our men who work with our audio and video. God, just there's so many people that, that pray and work and, Lord, want to serve you. And, Lord, we don't always see that, but we do enjoy the fruit of it every week. God, thank you for them. Lord, thank you for your word that we get to open up today. And, God, I pray that you would teach us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us so clearly today. And so, Lord, uh, today I I just pray nothing more than you would visit with us today. And that you would breathe a fresh breath of heaven upon us. And God, if someone needs to be saved, my prayer is today would be the day of salvation. God, if someone needs to repent, that today would be a day of repentance. Lord, if today would be a day that we would see ourselves as you see us. And that God, you would change us more and more into your likeness. Lord, we pray that you would do that today for no other reason than for your good and for your glory. Jesus, there is no doubt that you love us. You proved that love at Calvary. Now, Lord, teach us how to love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You know, the overall theme of this whole series has been living like eternity matters. And friend, eternity really does matter. We are, we are in preparation for everything that is to come. And today I want to really focus in this text on what I would consider to be gospel-centered love. Gospel-centered Love. First thing I want you to see is this. Jesus sets the standard for loving others. Look again at our text. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. How were they taught? They were taught that through the Scripture. They were taught that through the life of the Lord Jesus. As a matter of fact, if I took a little time, and since we have plenty of it, I'll do it. I'll go back to John chapter 13. John 12 is the triumphal entry. Here's Jesus coming in and uh, he is riding on the donkey and they are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He meets with his disciples, he washes their feet, and then he makes an incredible statement in John 13, 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. 
If God is glorified in him, glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in John chapter 15, listen to what he says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. First John chapter 3 verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And so Jesus Himself is the one who set the standard, the bar, for what true love really looks like. And what we see in our text today is the fact that loving one another is an evidence of true Christianity. If you want to look to see, how do I know if somebody is a real Christian? We all sing the same songs. We all have a copy of Scripture. We all dress up nice and neat. But how do you know if someone is truly a born-again child of God? There are many marks, but the one in our text today is this. You will know them because they have a genuine love for the body. They have a genuine love for the brothers and the sisters in the Lord. The Bible says that we were all dead in our trespasses and in our sins. But a resurrection took place. Jesus did something in me on June 11th, 1978 that I could not do for myself. And so I passed from death to life. I missed hell and hit heaven only because Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. And the Bible makes it crystal clear that that experience, this new life is going to be manifested in and through His love. So not only does Jesus love me and I've experienced His love, Jesus loves me so much that I can love you. Amen? I can love you. I can love my wife even when she's not lovable at times. Can you imagine that? I know that's hard for you to believe. Now, the love that, that, that the Bible's speaking of here is, you know, there, there's three Greek words for love. You've got eros, agape, and phileo. And this is that phileo, the brotherly love, a family, a fraternity kind of love. Here, here's, here's, here's what's being laid out here. I don't know about your family, but typically every family's got somebody that's just harder to love than the rest of the family. Some people call them a crazy uncle. It could be an aunt. It could be whoever. You're with me? So there's always that one person that kind of tries us a little bit, right? And so the picture here is, here is this moral, social love that, that, that we're not in this necessarily the same family tree, but we do have one thing in common, and that's both of us are washed in the blood of Jesus. Now I have to admit something. I have some Christian brothers and sisters that are closer to me than my own family is to me. You with me? And that's the picture here. That there are some people that, 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 that you, you know have really passed from death to life. Why? Because they walk in love. Galatians 5.2 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Church, I want you to hear me well. If you really want to know who is a true believer, look for Jesus' love in and through them. Love is the essential insignia of saving faith. It is what lets you know their genuine character by their works of love. Loving others is a response to God loving us. So Jesus sets the standard for love. 
Well, the second thing I want you to see is this. Jesus' love is too great to keep to ourselves. Somebody say amen to that. Now, before you go too far, you would think, okay, when Ken says Jesus' love is too great to keep it to ourselves, you might think I'm talking about evangelism and loving the outsider. I'm not going there yet. Why? Because the text doesn't go there yet. So the loving others here is loving the body. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now do me a favor. I know you probably feel very uncomfortable doing this in church. But just do it really. Just just take just about 20 seconds. Now just look around this room real quick. Just look around. I'm giving you permission. Look around. Look at them. Look at them. Look at the balcony. They're in the balcony too. Look at them. Do you love the people that you see in this room? Is anybody sitting on this side of the building because somebody else is sitting on this side of the building? Now you may think I meant that as a joke, but I'm I'm being serious. Man, I've known that to happen. And so if if Jesus says love is the acid test for true, true spiritual life. And we say we can't even love somebody that's a part of the same fellowship. The Bible would say we have a major problem. So the the issue here, this kind of love is a love that we love each other with. It's, It's because of our faith, but we realize we're part of the same family. We may not share the same family tree, but we do and are related because of the blood. So our walk and our witness among each other should testify of Jesus' love. Let me just give you some practical ways. You, you share God's love by just being kind to one another. Do you know there's a lot of one another's in the New Testament? Can I just go through a few of them? Just be kind one to another. Be kind. Now all of us at times get our feelings hurt in church, don't we? You brought your pound cake and nobody ate your pound cake. Well, if nobody eats your pound cake, don't, don't get all bent out of shape. Just take it home. Put it in the freezer. Repackage that thing. Give it to Scott. Don't give it to Scott. He's on a diet. Don't do that. Don't tempt him. But be kind one to another. Well, I would be kind, but they hurt my feelings. Listen, if you are alive, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Guess what? If you're a member of Baptist Church, you're probably going to get your feelings hurt. Has anybody here ever got your feelings hurt? Well, welcome to life. I got my feelings hurt at church, but I still go to church. Got my feelings hurt at Burger King one time, but I still go eat. (laughs) Be kind one to another. Say, Kim, why is that important? Because you have a reputation in this community. And your reputation in this community should be that those folks are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. And we know that because they sure do love each other. Here's another one another. How about giving to one another? Giving to one another. You see that there's a need and you're going to be a need meter. You're going to be a burden bearer. You're going to be a load lifter. Why? Because it's... It's what people who are part of the redeemed family do. We give to one another. We serve one another. We forgive one another. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. So we could spend a lot of time today just thinking, you know, that this love that Jesus gives us is too great to keep to ourselves. And so it is expressed in so many wonderful, beautiful ways inside the body. Too great to keep to ourselves. I want to love you because He loves me. 
I want to love you because it's the right thing to do and it's the right testimony in our walk and our witness to the world. Number three, God-centered love keeps us focused on the essentials. You know, sometimes in church life, we kind of want to major on the minors and we minor on the majors. You with me? I mean, I know churches that get all bent out of shape because the color of the carpet or the color of paint. Lord forbid you have drums in the church. Or if the organ's on this side, the piano's on that side. You know what I'm saying? I've known churches to split over stupid stuff like that. It's stupid. No, a gospel-centered love keeps us focused on what is essential. Now watch the flow of this text. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So Jesus set the bar. He is the picture. He's the goal. Because He loves, we can love. For indeed, that is what you are doing. So don't stop. That's what He's saying, right? You do love each other. You do pray for each other. You do encourage. But don't stop. Don't stop. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you brothers to do this more and more. You can't keep it to yourself. You've got to keep giving it and giving it and giving it. Does Jesus withhold His love from you? That is not a trick question. No, He doesn't. You can't bankrupt that kind of love. And neither should our love be bankrupt for one another. Even for those who get on our ever-loving nerves sometimes. You think you ever get on... Well, I won't go there. (laughs) Don't get the non-negotiable confused with the negotiable. That's not a pretty place to be. And it can be detrimental to our effectiveness as a church. So I want to spend the last few minutes on these last two verses. Or the last, yeah, last two verses. And uh, this is really good, y'all. This is probably one of the most practical messages I've ever preached. But I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear it well. So look what he says. So... So if, if this gospel-centered love keeps us focused, then He kind of helps us with that. So how do I stay in focus? How do I keep the main thing the main thing? How do I stay on track in such a way that I keep experiencing God's love and God's love is experienced by you because it's coming through me? Does that make sense? So how does it happen? Look at verse 11. So first he says, and to aspire. In other words, that means don't get sidetracked. Love, true gospel-centered love, has a way of keeping us on target. It, It keeps the train on the track. So he says here to aspire. Don't get sidetracked. Aspire, yearn, reach, go for it. Love with everything you've got. True love gives and gives and expects nothing in return. If I love Pat the way I'm supposed to love her, I can't say this. I can't say, well, I just did all this stuff and she didn't do anything for me on that. No, I do what I do as unto Jesus. And so I'm going to love her whether she loves me back or not. I'm going to love her because it's the right thing for me to do, right? Aspire. Thank you. You're my favorite person right now. Thank you. Let her go. Looser and let her go. I like it. Maybe she'll rub off on the rest of us. Amen. Love and don't get sidetracked. Look, look, hang on. And to aspire. To aspire what? To live quietly. To live quietly. Say, Kim, what does that mean? To live a peaceful life. To not live in hostility toward another. To, to, to have no conflicts. To live in peace. It means don't be a troublemaker. It means don't stir the pot. Don't play the role of the big shot. 
By the way, there are no big shots and little shots at the church. They're just shots. We're all saved by grace. Amen? So no big shots, no little shots with your shots. So don't play that role. Avoid unnecessary contention. If you see somebody in this body who is always stirring up trouble, number one, pray that they get saved because they're probably unsaved. That's what the text means. And then for the rest of us, you better be careful because when you see that, you know that that does not model Jesus. So that's why he says, don't. Live quietly. Live a peaceful life. Let's go on a little bit further. And to aspire to live quietly and, boy, here's a good one, and to mind your own affairs. Can I put that in Ken Forster translation? Keep your nose out of everybody else's business. That's what that means. Mind your own affairs. Don't meddle. Run in your own lane. One of my favorite passages, honestly, really is John chapter 21. I want to show you what happens in John chapter 21. Now just, just be patient, just a second, and listen to this. When they finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you were used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch at your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved. We know that was John. So, so as soon as Jesus made that statement, Peter is looking around and he sees John and he locks in on John and listen to what he says, Lord, oh my soul, let me just back up. Then, then, then turned and saw then, Yeah, Peter turned and saw the disciple of Jesus Love following them, the one who also leaned back against him during the supper and said to him, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Can I give you the Ken Forster translation of that verse? Peter, keep your mind in your own business. What I do with John is my business. It is not yours. And church, I'm going to tell you right now, in this transitional season of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, it would be a good thing to love Jesus well and to love each other well, just to aspire to love and to live a quiet life. And by all means, keep your nose out of everybody else's business. Proverbs 23 says, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. That's pretty strong onions right there now. I'm just going to leave that alone. No commentary needed for that one. Then he goes on to say, then love by working with your hands. Work hard. Be honest. You work. You support yourself. Why? He says, I don't want you to be in a place of need. Why? So if you're not in a place of need, you could be in a place of excess. And if God gives you more than what you need, guess what you get to do with it? Give. I I think the inference here is you work hard. you, you, You work with your hands. Boy, do we need a good lesson in that in our country today. Work with your own hands. 
Back in the day at North Greenville when Pat and I were students there, we had a math professor named Dr. Koo. And every semester, the first thing that Dr. Koo would say to every single class would be this. The Bible say, you know work, you know eat. <laughs> he was setting the tone. If you're going to do well in this class, then you're going to have to work hard. But if you work hard, God will bless that. Does that make sense? Listen, we need a revival of that in our nation right now. It's a shame and a disgrace when a business can't even operate because they know that somebody's going to give them more for doing nothing than if they just did something. No wonder we are messed up. That's a whole different message for another time. Let me get back to business. Just be generous. Be generous. Serve others. Do what you do. As on to Jesus. One of my favorite guys to read is Paul David Tripp. I really like him. That man is so incredibly intelligent. And I believe he walks with Jesus. And I like to read his stuff because it makes me think. It stretches me. And one of his quotes I came across fairly recently said this. Whatever commands the love of your heart also shapes the direction of your life. So if, if, if we were just having a conversation one-on-one today, it would be, I would just say, well then, what do you love? And your answer to that question would kind of help me understand what path you're probably going to take. Whatever commands, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever commands love in your heart is going to shape the direction of your life. But, you know, I got to thinking, that's a good question for a church, isn't it? I think that's the perfect question today to ask Poplar Springs. What do you love? Because whatever you as a church loves will shape the direction of this church. So what do you love? What do you love? My heart's prayer today is that, you know, I want to be careful with that. Because if we're not careful, we'll just give a bunch of Sunday school answers. Because we know we're supposed to give the right answer, right? But what do you love? What's shaping your life? What do you see shaping this body? And I would submit to you today that the Lord Jesus has already given us exactly what we need. And He's given that to us through His Word. And to take this word and to meditate on this word, to eat, to chew, to digest this word. The word meditate. I'm telling you, that's a spiritual discipline that many of us, most of us in this room probably don't do. But to meditate on the word. Meditate literally means, it's a picture word, of a cow chewing a cud. Did you know that? That's what the word meditate means. Now I want you to think about that. So y'all know what a cow is, right? You're just checking. So you see that cow, and he's eating green grass. Right? Fascinates me. How in the world can that black cow eat green grass? You can milk it and get white milk, turn it and make yellow butter. Don't understand all that. But I know it's a reality, right? So that cow's chewing and chewing and chewing and it swallows and it goes to stomach number one, right? But then it comes back up. I know that sounds nasty. I hope nobody has a reflex here today. That would be awful. <laughs> but it really would be awful. I shouldn't make light of that. That would be terrible. But then they chew on that cut again and it... And so what I've read is there's... Is there four stomachs out or how many stomachs? So four, that's what I read. That's what I read. Wow, how about that? The internet was right. 
And so it's going all the way. Now see, that just sounds so nasty. Ken, that's a nasty, terrible illustration. It ain't when that tea... Oh, it wasn't when that, we ate that steak of the night, was it, Patty Duke? Man. The process was worth it. And so I'm just telling you, God's got us in a process right now. And the process will be worth it. But you have to give yourself to that process. And so I'm asking you today, do, you need to check your love quotient. Do you truly love the body? Do you love the brethren? How long has it been since you told somebody that you loved them? When's the last time you did something nice? When's the last time you were hospitable? When's the last time you opened up your home? When's the last time you said, honey, I know we should, we, we were going to use this money to do this, but you know what? I think the Lord wants us to help somebody at the church. Love. And just because you know that you should love doesn't mean that you're loving. I'll give you a really quick illustration. The time's gone, but let me give you a real quick illustration. Because I wasn't sure we were going to be on time today. Um, I knew that I didn't have enough gas to get all the way to more today. But I knew that I had more than enough to get to Clinton. That at least to Clinton. Okay? But we found a radio station and we got to listening to preaching. I listened to Alistair Begg and then I listened to Jerry Vines. He was a guest preacher today in Easley. I got so wrapped up in hearing the Word of God that the next thing I knew, I was already on 26. I'd, I'd come way past Clinton, and I, all of a sudden, my little thing went low. And it's like it said, hey, low! And I'm thought. I'm thinking, I know there's a Valero, and it's just down the road. That thing was a whole lot farther down the road than I thought it was. And I finally looked at Pat, and I said, you better start praying, because I'm afraid we're going to run out of gas. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, i tell you this. It wasn't two seconds. I passed a tractor trailer pulling what? Gas. <laughs> True story. But that man could not help me out one bit. He had what I wanted, but no way to appropriate what he had. And there's a lot of us that would say amen to this whole message, walk out of this door and be dead set against loving on anybody. It could be that somebody here today, your greatest need is that you've been in church, but you've never been in Christ. You know when to stand up, you know when to sit down. You know all the church rules, the problem is you don't know Jesus. And it could be the Holy Ghost took this message today to show you there is something missing in your heart. You can't manufacture what I just preached on. You have Jesus, this is possible. If you don't have Jesus, what I just preached on is impossible. And so maybe someone here today would say, Ken, I've never trusted Jesus. And today could be the day that the Lord of heaven comes into your life and changes you forever. Maybe you're here today and you're a child of the King. And maybe the Holy Spirit has brought much conviction. Because maybe there's an attitude toward a brother or a sister that you know does not model Jesus. And maybe during even this invitation, the best thing that you could go is go to that brother, that sister and say, I'm asking you to forgive me. Because I've not loved you best. Say, Ken, are you being serious? I'm, yes, sir, I'm being serious.
love. I want you to begin to live church like eternity matters. And I can't think of a better way than to embrace gospel-centered love. So, Father, today, I'm asking you to do a lot. But you are a God who can do anything. And, Lord, I'm asking you today, if there's someone here that's never trusted you, that today would be the day of salvation. God, I'm asking you today, if there's someone here, and, Lord, there is a, just a, a spirit of bitterness or jealousy or just anger, um, Lord, toward another brother or sister that's just created some conflict. And, Lord, it, it just robs us of our true joy. I pray that even today, God, those things would be made right. That, Jesus, we would see how that you love us and how you have called us and commanded us to love one another. And so, Lord, we give this invitation to you. God, maybe somebody needs to join this church today. This is, this is where they need to be to learn, to grow. God, maybe there's just a, some, some steps of healing that you want to take place even in this time of invitation. God, I'm asking you to work. And I pray that you would just come against any spirit of pride and self today. And that, God, we will just encounter you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Because, Brother Scott, this team leads us. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to be down here at the front. If you've never trusted Jesus, no greater joy in my life than to lead you to faith in Christ. If you need to come pray, you come pray. If you need to go and speak to someone, whatever the Lord has challenged you to do today, I'm just simply asking you to surrender that to Him and act in obedience. Trust Him. Trust Him.
Are you glad you came today? Amen. Amen. This is a sweet heart right here. And uh, this is Laureen Edson. And she comes today believing that this is the church that she needs to join and identify with. So amen for that. Amen. And so I know that we're going to get you enrolled in the, is it called PS 101? I said it right, didn't I? PS 101, the membership class, and and I know that it will be a great blessing to you, and I know that you're going to be a great blessing to us. But you believe this is God's will. I know it is. Amen. Amen. Well, somebody just say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You come by and just love on her today. Bless God. Well, hallelujah. God has been honored here today, and we're so glad to have this dear sister with us. I will never forget her because at the Joy Club meeting last week, I think you laughed last month, you laughed harder than anybody. <laughs> at Pastor Ken. And so I was glad for that. Listen, um, a lot of things going on this week. Kim, why don't you put in a plug for Wednesday night and the extravaganza? All right. We hope you will join us on Wednesday night. We'll start dinner at 545, stop serving around 615. Um, our preschoolers who've been coming on Wednesday nights and sit working in music, they're going to sing for us. And we'll have the Easter story. We'll have lots of games planned. And the fire department is coming. And they're going to drop the eggs for the kids to scramble and pick up. And lots of candy. Thank you so much for donating. But we hope you'll join us Wednesday night. Hey, listen, there's going to be something for everybody. I have it on good authority that there's games even for four-fingered people. So come. There won't be a reason that you can't come and participate. We'll have a big time on that week. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday morning. You don't want to miss it. We're excited about the service. We're excited about what God is going to do because He's alive. And we don't have to wait till next Sunday to say that or to be excited about it. Now, choir folks, we have a rehearsal today, not at 4, but at 5 o'clock. And so I look forward to seeing you. I know I've got a couple sitting out and around, and maybe you haven't been in a while. This will be a great time for you to come and be a part of a special service next week. Hey, listen, I want to make you aware of two dates, if I haven't already. And I could have, uh, but just in case, on the 24th of this month, And the 1st of May, two special Sunday evening times. Don't, don't miss it. Barbara, two weeks in a row, that's all I've got to say. But on two weeks in a row, we're going to have a potluck meal at 6 o'clock. Or 6 o'clock, whichever it may be. At 6 o'clock on the 24th, we're going to have a joint get together with the First Baptist Church of Ennery. We've had a partnership with them for over a year. Andy Moore, you've met him before, but you're going to meet him in a big way. Listen, this is an informal time. Don't come dressed up. Don't come put it on any airs. We're going to put a blue tape right down the middle of every table. Ennery on one side, Poplar Springs on another, so that we can get to know each other. We might as well get used to them. We're going to be with them a long time, like eternity. And so let's get used to them now. It won't be but about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, depending on how long we eat. So bring lots of food. If you don't know what to bring, see me after the service, and I'll tell you what to bring. The next week, May 1, we're going to have, for the first time in a couple of years, we're going to have our first compass meeting. Uh, this is when you'll hear reports from ministry leaders. So don't forget that. Now, I know that's a lot of fellowship, but just today I heard somewhere we're supposed to love one another. So come and love each other with food. Amen? No, that wasn't strong enough. Come and love each other with food. Amen? Amen. I think we got it. Let's pray together. Now, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us, for adding to our number, for allowing us to look into the future, to times we're going to have fellowship together and with a sister congregation. Lord, how excited we are that next week we get the opportunity to come here and celebrate that you are out of that tomb, that you are risen. You pray even now for us and you're waiting to live in our lives and direct us as we allow you the privilege to do that. Lord, let us get ourselves out of the way so that this Easter, this Easter, that Jesus reigns. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.